Because as we emerge from the past few years of stormy seas, I wanted to speak tenderly to God's people and provide as much comfort and encouragement as we can in this season. I hope we can inject hope and peace and joy into the souls of everybody here today. There's an absolutely great future hope for you, and the Bible says in Proverbs, your hope will not be cut off, because you are in Christ, and Christ was cut off so that you never have to be. For he was cut off out of the land of the living for the, for the punishment of my people, he was stricken. Jesus took your punishment so that you never have to be cut off again. And you can walk into a future hope that God will never rescind. He will never say no. He never takes it away. His gifting and his calling are irrevocable and the plans that God has for you are fixed and firm. And in this series, we're gonna be talking about anchors. And an anchor is basically a strong hook-like weight that you throw out and you latch onto something stronger than you or stronger than the tides, stronger than the storm. It's a heavy object, usually attached to a rope or a chain that moors a vessel in the seas. And anchors of necessity are things that are beyond ourselves, beyond our own capacity and strength. I cannot anchor myself to myself. It's not a self-referential reality. I have to anchor myself in something beyond myself. And so many people have gone, well, I'm, I'm, a, you know, I'm, a, I'm a kind of an optimistic guy. I can, I can weather the storm. I, I'm, a, I'm full of hope. I can go past the storm until the storm sucks up all the hope you have. Then suddenly you go, I need an anchor that's beyond my ability to hope. Does that make sense? Anchors must be outside of you. They must hold you firm so that in the ups and downs of the storm, the anchor holds and you are held fast. And when that anchor holds, we're safe in the storm. And the more sturdy the anchor, the better. So whatever uh, that there is outside of yourself that you hook up to, you think that for believers that would be obvious. Like we're, we're anchoring ourselves in the Lord Jesus Christ. We run to him for refuge, but it isn't quite that obvious. But I choose, and, and I think most people in our church are gonna choose to find refuge in the storm in Jesus Christ. We take refuge in him, he anchors us, his word gives us hope, his nature is the shield that we hide behind. And in today's message, I want to begin to talk about one of the anchors that Michelle and I have found to be extremely valuable and anchors us and holds us beyond the storm. And that anchor is listening to the dreams and plans that God has for our lives and especially those that are yet to come. Because it's been one of the greatest anchors through the ups and downs of the storm. Picture this, God who lives outside of time looks at time as a single moment. Does that make sense? Because he created time, the beginning and the end. He lives outside of it and he speaks to us. We're stuck in time, but we have eternity in our hearts according to Ecclesiastes. So we're speaking to God and we go, Lord, it's terrible. And he, and he says, it's fine. This is what happens. He's seeing it as an actual fact because he sees it as a fait accompli. He goes, that's what it is, but I'm still gonna walk into that reality. Does that make sense? So the Lord says, shift continents. And I go, amen. Oh, I'm coming. America, here we come. And then I found out that 360 million Americans thought they were right and I was wrong. And that my accent was funny. <laughs> hey? Never. What accent? <laughs> oh, man. 
Between the point we said yes and the point of, of seeing the breakthrough, there were many ups and downs. And the Lord neglected to, to tell me about all of the ups and downs. Did you find that? He told me about this place. And he, when I started here, and he told me about this place, and I thought it was a straight line. Only to find out that it's like this. And there's some storms in the way. Doesn't change the fact that this holds true. Just because I'm at the bottom of a wave that looks about 100 foot high doesn't mean that God has forgotten his promise. It has no power. These ups and downs have no power to change the truth of this reality. So what we've had to learn to do is to, is to anchor ourselves in the dream of God and the promises of God and the plans of God for our life and just let that anchor hold. So no matter if I'm on the highest heights or in the lowest depths, that anchor holds because that's where I'm going. Not because I dreamed it, not because I'm trying to do something else, but because my father told me. I'm anchored in God's plan for us. And I want to talk to you about you being anchored in the plan of God. God's plans for us. And there is an anchorage there. There is a place for you that can hold. A few years back, we were going through a particularly tough time. I, I was worried. There was, some, there was some medical bad things. And I went to the Lord. I said, Lord, what's going on? And, and, and the Lord took me to a, a birthday party in, late into my 60s. And I, I, can't, I, can't, I don't know how to describe it to you, but I've been to my 69th birthday party. I can tell you what my wife is wearing. And it's a surprise birthday party. Michelle throws me a surprise birthday party for my 69th birthday. And she knows I hate surprise birthday parties. But I've been to my surprise 69th birthday party. The Lord is kind to me. I've been there. The Lord spoke to me. People go, Oh, watch out for COVID. Okay, COVID doesn't kill me. Oh, I go, no. I've been to my 69th birthday party. Make sense? There's a dream that God has for your life. There's a plan that he has. And if you can learn to latch hold of that, it'll be an anchor for your soul. It'll hold you firm and secure. And the ups and downs. Many years ago, we had a couple here, the international ministers, the ministry, and uh, uh, she had, this lady, she had been praying for her son, and the Lord had spoken to her one day very clearly and said, your son is going to preach with his father in the nations. And it was a, she was like, praise God, and we'd, we'd all celebrated, and we'd prayed, and it was great, and then he, he caught, I think it was meningitis or something. Anyway, he, and so the, he, was, he was flown to intensive care. The doctors, and they called, they said, listen, he is dying, he will not last the hour, come and say goodbye. And we're standing outside, we're standing outside the room where they're about to go in and the doctors have said, say goodbye, he doesn't, ha he doesn't even have an hour left to live, he will die. And she says, but the Lord told me he would preach with his father. And that's the only thing we could hold on to, because the doctors were saying, listen, 
uh, that's sweet and quaint, but he's dying. Go quickly. And we stood outside and we said, Father, you promised. And supernaturally, he outlasted the hour and then outlived the night. And then, and then the doctor said, we don't understand. There's this supernatural turnaround. And he preaches with his father in the nations. There are some things that the Lord has dreamed for you and he's whispered them to you and they can be an anchor for your soul if you would like to make them one. God is the God who announces the end from the beginning. Let me just teach you something. Can you, can you learn a principle with me? God has dreams for you more than, than there are grains of sand. Psalm 139, 18, he says, How precious concerning me are your thoughts, Lord. Were I to count them, they would outnumber the grains of sand. God has more dreams and thoughts about you than there are grains of sand. God has not forgotten you. God has not made a promise and then drifted off somewhere and, 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 and has forgotten the promises he made. He said to Moses, I keep my promise for a thousand generations. So for the next 40,000 years, God is gonna be attentive to the promise he made you. And even though 20 years, 30 years ago, you heard God speak a promise, he has not forgotten it. It's like yesterday. God never backs off his dream for your life and he doesn't move away from his promise for you. We're the ones who move back and forth on that, but God never moves. His gifting and his calling are irrevocable, the Bible says. He doesn't remove them. He doesn't take, he doesn't call you and then go, oh, well, I'm not gonna do that anymore. His gifting and his calling are irrevocable. Doesn't take him back. Doesn't go back on his plans. His dreams are not whimsical for your life. He's unfixed. I mean, he's fixed, not unfixed. He's fixed in his unfailing love and the overflowing river of his compassions. That's why you can lean on it and trust it and build your life on it. It's like a perennial compass that points you in the direction. God speaks this stuff to you. He speaks the end from the beginning so that you can know, okay, I'm, I'm supposed to be going in this direction. And then in the middle of the storm, when things are all shaken around, you kind of hit the surface again and go, that's where I'm supposed to be going. Perennial compass, this whisper and dream of God for your life, it helps point you in the right direction. And especially when there's a storm, it's like an anchor for your soul. Because when the storm threatens to destroy your hopes and your dreams, this thing will hold you fast. It's outside of you. You don't yet see it, but it can be an anchor for your soul. And whether you know it in great detail or whether you've just maybe caught the faintest perception of it, God's plan for your life will still be an anchor if you let it. So I want to just pause for a minute here, gain some understanding of how God operates so that you know this. Because if you're familiar with this and you understand his ways, you'll discover it easier to cooperate with him. God can keep a secret. He really can. But he loves to share it with his friends and his family. He lets seers see so that they can know and understand that it was him who authored it. Because if God never called it ahead of time, we would be tempted to think that this is all serendipitous that uh, this was random or scattered or lucky. I just sort of landed in this place, like, like some big sort of cosmic you know, roll of the dice. No, God says, that's where you're going, and then when you land there, you go, see, I told you. Let's go to Isaiah 46.10. I make known the end 
from the beginning. From ancient times, what is still to come. I say, my purpose will stand and I will do all that I please. I will make known the end from the beginning. Why does God do that? He delights to make the end known from the beginning. So right at the beginning, he goes, hey, psst, 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 this is how this ends. There are some things that the Lord has whispered to me about ministry that I have not yet seen. Greg, how do you know you're supposed to minister? Because I haven't yet walked into the, the dreams God's given me. I'm still gonna see some stuff and, and it's exciting. It keeps me motivated. It keeps me reaching forward. I'm going, whoo, the future's so bright, I have to wear shades. I, I, there's something in my spirit that's going, I've got more in God. There's more in God for you too. Listen to Ephesians 3. I just want to give you some, because some people go, well, I'm not sure this is the way it is. Now, God is like this, Ephesians 3. In reading this, Paul says, you may understand my insight into the mystery of Christ, which was not made known to people in other generations. So Paul says, all of this history that's gone on before me, Abraham, Moses, Elijah, Jeremiah, King David, they didn't know this. Sounds pretty arrogant, doesn't it? God never let this secret out until this generation, Paul says. It's now being revealed by God's holy apostles and prophets. And then he says, although I am less than the least of all of God's people, this grace was given to me to preach to the Gentiles the boundless riches of Christ and to make plain to everyone the administration of this mystery which for ages past was kept hidden in God who created all things according to his eternal purpose that he accomplished in Christ Jesus the Lord. Understand? God doesn't have any problem keeping a secret, but he loves to tell the end from the beginning to the people he loves. He loves to give those who know him a foretaste of what is to come. God had a great mystery. He never made known to other generations. He kept it hidden for ages past because he had an eternal purpose. And that eternal purpose, he didn't want the enemy to understand. So God kept it hidden until the, until the, the devil went and crucified Jesus. And God said, thank you so much. I appreciate that. And used that to be the source of eternal salvation for everyone. But at the very beginning, when Adam sinned, God said to him, there's right in that moment, the very first sin, God calls all the participants together and he goes, listen, I'm gonna create enmity between you, Eve, and this serpent. And serpent, by the way, one of her children is gonna crush your head and you're gonna strike at his heel. He's talking about the crucifixion of Jesus where Jesus destroyed the power of the enemy, made a show of him openly, destroying him by the cross. God's way for those who will listen is to tell you what's coming right at the beginning. So my question is, what has the Lord told you? He calls the, the end at the beginning. Second thing he does, he calls the things that are not as though they are. You have to understand this because if you don't understand this, you'll dismiss what the Lord says as impossible. It's not true. I can't be hearing accurately because what I just heard is nowhere in my life right now. But he is the God who calls the things that do not yet exist as though they completely exist right now. That's the way he speaks, Romans 4. As it is written, I have made you a father of many nations. <laughs> he was not yet a father. 
But God said, I have made you a father of many nations. You are a father of many nations. He goes, can we start with just one Lord? No, I'm changing your name to father of many nations. I want you to go around and tell your friends, no, 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 my name's not, no, that's not my name anymore. My name is the father of many nations. But father of many nations, you don't have any kids. It's a minor setback. In the presence of him whom he believed, God who gives life to the dead and calls those things which do not exist as though they did. The Living Bible says he speaks of future events with as much certainty as though they were already past. It's the same timeline. Sees your past and your future all at one, one go, one snapshot. This is what happens. Lord, what is going to happen? He goes, this. Joseph. Lord, what do you want to do with my life? Because your brothers are all going to bow down to you. Next thing he knows, he's at the bottom of a pit looking up at them. I thought you said. Goes, yeah, there's a process. But that's the truth. There's a promise, but there's a process too. But that's the promise. The promise still stands. Just because you're engaged in a process doesn't mean the promise forgotten. God calls the things that are not as though they are. And I just want you to hear this. You cannot and I cannot allow our feelings or our sense of ourselves take a higher precedent than what the Lord is saying. I'm not anchored in my own feelings, but I must be anchored in his dream. Some of you need to hear that again. God is going to call things that are not as though they evidently are. And you get to choose. You either go, no, that simply isn't true, or you go, I absolutely believe that. And there may even be a moment where you have to confess that while it's still untrue in the circumstances of your life. Am I preaching to anyone yet? Or is it just me? Because I'm just ministering to myself right here. So we have to train ourselves to listen to what he says to us about us. And I have to hold what he said above my own feelings and perceptions. Because it's in the context of the scripture of Sarah and Abraham, who were past childbearing years, who accepted the promise of God and the plan of God and the dream of God above their own perception, facing the facts that their bodies were dead, they said, okay, I'm in. So I cannot, you know, Bill Johnson says, you, I, I cannot allow to have a thought in my mind that God, that God doesn't have about me. And I want to say the verse is also true. I cannot afford to have a thought that God has revealed about me not take precedence in my mind. If God has whispered something to you about you, you cannot afford to not take that and make that supreme. You have to put his word over your own feelings and your own perceptions, and you have to start confessing it, and you have to start saying, that's what I'm, and that's what I believe. 
If Abraham and Sarah had believed their own perceptions, they would not have been known by billions of people over thousands of years. They stand out for the, from the billions of other people who've lived because they said yes to the dream of God for them and they walked in it. He called the things that did not yet exist in their sight as though they were and he will do the same for us. And those who can agree and believe with what he says will see it. John 16, 13, Jesus said, but when he, the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears and he will tell you of what is yet to come. Part of the communication of the Holy Spirit with your life is about things you have not yet seen. And if you can't receive that from the Holy Spirit, if you shut that down, you will stay exactly where you are. But if you will learn to listen to the plans and the dreams and what is yet to come, you will walk into them in their fullness. He wants to guide you into the promises of God for your life so that you can bring glory to Jesus. So, if you hear nothing else in this message, hear this. You and I need to learn to lean in and listen for God's plan and dream for my life and your life. Learn to lean in and listen. I wanna take you to Mark chapter four with a story, well-known story of Jesus going across the lake. So I wanna show you something here that would have helped. That day when evening came, he came to his disciple and he said, let's go over to the other side. In Matthew 8, 18, he says, he gave orders to cross to the other side. It's a little stronger in Matthew. Leaving the crowd behind, they took him along just as he was in the boat and there were also other boats with him and a furious squall came up. It's not just an ordinary squall, it's a furious one. And the waves broke over the boat so that it was nearly swamped and Jesus was in the stern sleeping on a cushion. And the disciples woke him and said to him, teacher, don't you care that we drown? And he got up, rebuked the wind and said to the waves, quiet, be still. And then the wind died down and was completely calm. And he said to his disciples, why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? And they were terrified and asked each other, who is this? Even the wind and the waves obey him. Our story is that the enemy hears that Jesus is going to the other side because he said, let's go over there. And in one version, he says, he commanded, no, come on, guys, we're going, come. And he, the enemy sets up the storm of resistance to hinder the plan of God, as he will do sometimes in your life. And you hear the voice of the Lord and you set a course and suddenly there's a storm. And uh, there's this movement that the storm starts to uh, push against us. The storm fights with the purposes of God. The storm resists the revealed will of God. The storm fights against your faith. The storm is a minor test to see how deep you've settled in your own spirit about the plan and dream of God for your life. Because God wants it to be settled in your bones. Jesus had said, we're going to go to the other side. 
And the enemy had listened more than the disciples did. Because the enemy said, well, I'm going to try and stop that. The disciples were just, oh, okay. And then, oh, we're going to drown. The disciples should have said, wow. It's going to be a great story to tell. As Jesus said, we're going to the other side. We're just caught up in a storm. And if we're not careful, the enemy can send storms that are going to detract us from God's call because we're not assured about that call. And so the vehemence and the furious nature of the storm that resists us will put us off the purposes of God. We get frightened and confused by the storm if we're not clear about the destination. I don't know if this is ministering to me. So faith, the Bible says, comes by hearing and hearing from the Word of God. So when the Lord whispers to me, I get faith about that thing. Now, perhaps some of you sitting here have been serving with open hearts and you've held nothing back and, you, and you're just trying to serve the Lord, but you find yourself in a storm and you're just doing what you were told. You're walking in the way that Jesus told you to go, but suddenly you're in the middle of a furious squall. It's incessant water in your face, loud thunder, frightening lightning. You've redoubled your efforts, but you've lost more ground. You've rallied and then you've been beaten down again. And you've got resolve and, and you get pushed back repeatedly. So you go and gather others because you're all in the storm together and you, you ask them for help and you humble yourself and you expose your need and your fears and you go, hey, help me. And you pull together as a team, but now you're all scared and facing imminent destruction. You've gone past your reserves of natural optimism. This is the worst storm in recorded history and you can remember lesser storms have killed people and you, this chorus in your head is joined by this idea that we're all gonna drown. And when it feels like the last ember of hope has been extinguished by the massive waves outside and the waves of panic within, you take one last look at any sign for hope and any break in the storm and all that happens is it gets worse. And panic seems to have taken control and everything feels upside down to the point that you are ready to blame the one person you know is not behind this. Don't you care that we drown? And I just wanna say, instead of accusing the Savior, we should be commanding the storm. Instead of, instead of accusing the Savior, we should be commanding the storm. What is appropriate when speaking to Jesus is thanksgiving. What's appropriate for the storm is rebuke. We are going to the other side, Jesus said. I dare you to say it out loud. Say, I'm going to the other side. Say it with me. I'm going to the other side. Now say it like, I want you to dare to look the storm in the face and say it to the storms that are currently facing you. I'm going to the other side, let's do it. I'm going to the other side. It's time for the church to start saying a few things out loud. I'm going to the other side. This storm does not end me. This storm has no power. I'm going to the other side. You know why I know? Because my king said, let's go to the other side. And it's time for the church to start listening to what the king said. Because I'm telling you, the enemy listened more than the disciples did. And Jesus is a little bit ticked off with them because they accusingly wake him. He goes, 
Be quiet. He goes, what is wrong with you guys? Why? Why are you so afraid? That's an unreasonable question if you look at it one way, but it's eminently reasonable when you see it through Jesus' eyes. Why are you afraid? You have the word of the unchanging God. I made you a promise and I never lie. I made you a promise and it's backed by all the authority of the one who created the universe. I made you an oath and I will not back down. Why are you afraid? In Isaiah, he says, <laughs> I think God's talking to the angels. He says, wasn't it me who said, don't be afraid? It's like I thought I told them, don't be afraid. But they're afraid. It's like, who's bigger than me? You're going to the other side of the storm. You're going to the other side of this problem. You're gonna be on the other side of this challenge or this current fear or this panic attack. And it's time for us, it's time for you to say, quiet, be still in Jesus' name. Because it's setting itself up against the knowledge of God. And the Bible says the weapons you and I fight with have divine power to demolish strongholds and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And I go, I do not end here in the storm. This is not my destiny. This storm has no power. Be quiet in Jesus' name. And it's time for some of us to stir ourselves a little. Finding peace and being anchored in a storm comes from the confidence that God's plan has not been put aside or diminished or forgotten or in any way surrendered. Our agreement, both vocally and mentally, proves extremely helpful when I see it being made real in my life. Being anchored to what is outside of me means that I start placing confidence in the promises of God and the dreams of God and the plans of God for my life. It's an anchor for my soul and it'll be an anchor for yours. I just wanna show you something that we threw. John 21, Jesus reinstates Peter and he says, very truly, I tell you that when you were younger, you dressed yourself and you went wherever you wanted to go. But when you are old, somebody else, will, you'll stretch out your hand and they'll lead you. So basically, Jesus is explaining to Peter how he's gonna die. And he, and because Peter's, Jesus, it's just a tough message to hear. And, and Peter looks around and John is following them. And he goes, well, what about John? And Jesus said, if I wanna keep John alive until I come back, what's it going to do with you? So they had a very frank discussion about how he ends his life. And it's, Jesus said, you're gonna get old. And so Peter said, okay. Acts 12. It's about that time the king Herod arrested some who belonged to the church intending to persecute them. He had James, the brother of John, put to death with a sword. And when he saw that this met with the approval of the Jews, he proceeded to seize Peter also. This happened during the festival of unleavened bread. And after arresting him, he put him in prison, handing him over to be guarded by four squads of four soldiers each. Herod intended to bring him out for public trial after the Passover. Peter was chained each arm to a guard 
right? So you slept between two people, and there were two others standing guard on the cell. That's, so there was no way out. He was arrested. They had arrested James and beheaded James. So now they arrested Peter. And they told him, Peter, tomorrow morning, daybreak, trial and execution. So Peter was kept in prison. The church was earnestly praying for him. That night, before Herod was to bring him to trial, Peter was sleeping between two soldiers. How many of you think you'd be asleep the night before they say, tomorrow, daybreak, we're going to chop your head off? Peter is sleeping so badly, the angel who appears has to whack him to wake him. You know why? Because Peter's going, this doesn't end me. I don't die here. Jesus said, when I'm old. I don't know how this is going to shake out. I don't know how he's going to deliver me. I don't know how this trial goes tomorrow. I don't know how this shakes out. I know yesterday James was killed, but I don't end here. This is not my final. I have things to do in God. This is not it. Because Jesus said, I get old. All right. Today, it's not the death of hope. It's the death of hopelessness. Because we've heard the voice of God. We've caught a glimpse of the plans and dreams that God has for us. And we choose to say amen to that. I would dare you one more time to say it out loud with me. This is not my end. I'm going to the other side. Be still. This is not my end. I'm going to the other side. Be still. One more time. This is not my end. I'm going to the other side. Be still. And it's time for some of us to say that out loud often until the storm whimpers and is quiet. And the calling of God is made manifest. Because you will walk in, as sure as God made little green apples, you will walk into his plans for you if you believe. And that which does not yet exist will exist and will be normal because you believed. Let's pray together. Lord, I'm so grateful for this anchor that you give us anchors for our soul that hold us, Lord, beyond the current set of circumstances, far beyond the current moment, Lord, stronger than the current storm, deeper than the current tides, is my Savior's love for me. Because you said, Lord, I know the plans I have for you, plans to prosper you and to bless you, plans to give you hope and a future, not plans of destruction, there is surely a future hope for us. That hope cannot be cut off. So Lord, today, we choose to say, thank you for your kindness. I am going over to the other side. I will walk in all that God has promised. Be quiet in Jesus' name. Father, I pray for a supernatural something, an anointing on the hearts of every person in this room right now. And I'm asking, Lord, that we would leave this place refreshed, new hope, new courage,
Together, Lord, we rebuke the storm. Say, be quiet, be still in Jesus' name. And we thank you for the peace, Lord, that passes our understanding in Jesus' name. Amen.